Episode 4, the Zoso episode. No, how about Volume 4? Now wait, how about... Yeah, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of Talk About the Passion. My guest today is Michael Brousseau. Mike owns Hope Street Tattoo in Providence, Rhode Island, and he's been a good friend of mine for a few years now. I met him in one of those secret Facebook groups that are sometimes better than your actual news feed on there. There was a large uh, contingent of people from Rhode Island on there, and at this point I don't even really remember why that group existed in the first place or how I ended up there. Regardless, I met a lot of really uh, cool people there that I still call friends. So I met, uh, I finally met him in person at a Seven Seconds show in uh, 2014 where we talked about the Judgment Night soundtrack and other good and bad things that, that happened in the 90s. And then uh, a few months later, I contacted him to do a tattoo on me, which was a, a ventriloquist dummy, uh, Raymond Pettibone. Pettibone? Pettibone? did for a Black Flag Flyer, uh, November 18th, 1980, at the Starwood with the Minutemen, if you're counting. Uh, during our session, I remember him talking about wanting to do more original stuff on people, and I meant to ask him in this interview, but I, I didn't, but I imagine since he's from having a shop in Providence, he's probably tattooed his, his share of pineapples on people, but who knows, maybe uh, Mike, uh, maybe you can answer that. Uh on a second episode, because this one went great, and I hope we can we can have him on here again. Uh, a few months later, I sent him uh, lyrics from a, a few lines from the song "Good Morning Captain" from the band Slint, and pretty much just gave him free range. I just said, you know, can you just translate these words to a drawing? And he knocked it out of the park, and it was it was pretty awesome. And I, I love that that tattoo. Uh, fast forward to the last spring, 2016, and I was uh, texting my friend Kevin just stupid ideas of tattoos that incorporated the cover of the first Boston album. Most of the ideas were, were jokes, and then I thought, shit, what if I took the spaceship from the first Boston album, and instead of those blue flames coming out of the bottom, I'll replace it with like the yellow Bad Brains lightning from the you know the Bad Brains album. And then the lightning will be striking the state house in Boston, which is also, you know, coincidentally being rushed by figures in black, just like the cover of the first SSD control album. The kids will have their say. The kids will have their say. And then I thought, man, this needs a banner at the bottom. So since the top already read Boston, I said, why don't we put a banner on the bottom that says Mass is the Rippinest Town? So the piece will say Boston Mass is the Rippinest Town, which is a... Uh, line from a Slapshot song, or a chant, as it's generally referred to. And, uh, yeah, the Boston, my Boston Mass is the Rippinest Tattoo was born. And uh, I sent the idea to Mike and a crude drawing, and uh, he did it. It's, it came out pretty awesome, and a lot of people liked it, and I'm pretty proud of it, and I was pretty glad to have him do that for me. Um, I won't go far too far into him, because he tells the story of it, but uh, Mike's responsible for one of the, the coolest tattoos in the world that references American hardcore, at least for me. And that's the uh, guilty of being delicious hot dog tattoo that you may or may not have seen. The tattoo and the story behind it are pretty great, and it's nice to hear him talk about it during this, this conversation. Um, and then I just want to say, you know, as amazing as his work doing that and being able to execute uh, the uh, guilty of being delicious tattoo and then you know my Boston mass tattoo uh, it shouldn't take away from the fact that he's got a pretty amazing uh, unique style that's fresh and funny and just comes from so many cool places and influences it's hard not to dig you know just like him in general and as, as you'll hear in this chat he's a great storyteller he's got extensive knowledge on all different types of music and opinions that you know are aligned with mine and uh, uh, on different types of art and music and uh yeah he, he's uh, i hope to have him on again this was also the first interview i did here at the lake house and it was it was cool it was comfortable and uh, we had a great time hanging out which leads me to this before uh, we get to the interview uh, if you'd like to be on the podcast or know someone who should be you know definitely get in touch i live closer to providence than boston at this point and can do them here at my place. 
uh, or like most of the ones I've already done, I can I can travel to you. I have mobile stuff, and it's it's pretty uh, pretty easy to set up. And the whole process would kill a couple hours of your life. So uh, there's contact information on my Podbean website, uh, which is talkaboutthepassion.podbean.com. Or I'm on Facebook at facebook.com, T-A-T-P podcast. So that's the one word. Uh, thanks for all the feedback so far. Uh, I'm still planning on releasing a, an interview every Tuesday. Next Tuesday is uh, Halloween. Uh, it's 2017 right now. I'm going to be on vacation. And there's really no reason for me not to release one because I have a few of these already Uh in the can ready to go, but uh, I've decided to release this special sort of Halloween episode, which is basically just going to be me talking about some vaguely Halloween-esque type things. It'll be much shorter than these hour-long uh, conversations, but I've had fun putting it together, and uh, yeah, I think I think you'll dig it. Uh, anyway, let's get let's get this episode started. So uh, here's this week's guest, Michael Brousseau. Thanks for listening. So I'm here with my friend uh, Michael Brusso. Hello. Uh, from Rhode Island. Uh, One soccer, Rhode Island, born and raised. Yep. Yeah. And you own Hope Street Tattoo. Hope Street Tattoo. Uh, how long have you owned that? I bought it in 2012. Yeah. September of 2012. And you, uh, you know, we've we've talked quite a bit about uh, graffiti and art and that stuff. Sure. Is that that pretty much what you started with, with like before? Before. Before tattooing or graffiti, it was cartooning. Yeah. I was very enthralled with, oddly enough, not a comic books kid. Yeah. But more uh, of a cartoon or like cartoon strips. Yeah. Okay. I was obsessed with the Peanuts. Yeah. And then later on, Bloom County. Okay. Was my huge, huge influence. Don Um, Martin? Don Martin, Mad Magazine, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mad Magazine. So I had an uncle who was my... uh, my father's brother, who uh, collected Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. and I would—that was the first time I saw it. Was at his house, oddly enough. He yeah. was an adult man who, yeah. who loved Mad Magazine. Right. And um, the interesting thing about him was that he, when they start—I don't know what year they started doing the fold-in. Yeah, yeah. But at that point, he started buying two. He had a oh, subscription. Yeah. He would get two Mad Magazines, and then every couple of months, he would ply me with. Right. When I was old enough, I think. Right. And I was so I would get his pre-folded folded oh, right. in Mad magazines, <laughs> and I just yeah yeah Don Martin was huge for yeah, me. Yeah. But but more than that was Sergio. Oh yeah. yeah. I had one of those sort of like almost like magical moments when I was a kid when I I didn't realize there were marginal yeah, comics yeah. in mm-hmm. the Mad, and when I realized it, right. I retroactively went back, went back through and, and realized, holy shit, there's this entire other right. other magazine yeah, happening, yeah. Know, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then when I did start buying comic books, it was, it, it, I, I, I had a hard time, I couldn't, because there was so much history yeah. with those characters, I had a hard time kind of finding my way in, yeah. but I loved what I, what I guess would be known as like indie comics now, but right. at the time it was just I like the 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 strange I like grew Sergio yeah. Aragones did grew oh, yeah. yeah. and uh, Bone yeah. was one just because I could recognize that as more yeah, of yeah. like a that was sort of my alley because I really loved simplified right that simplified style of drawing right. which I mean all fingers point to Burke. Burke yeah. breathed and yeah. and I never know if I pronounce his name right. Right, is whether it's breathed or breathed. Right, right. But the guy who did Bloom County, yep, yep, just blew my face yeah. off. Like right. I, I always think about how when I was right around ten or eleven or twelve, there was that magical time mm-hmm. where Bloom County, Far Side, uh, Doonesbury, Cal- Calvin and Hobbes, all of those cartoons were happening yeah, in yeah. a daily newspaper. That I was know, like right? Yeah, insane to me. Right. And I also, I remember when I started later on, when I was 
would be gifted like the anthologized boom counties. Right. It was like I got to experience them again because yeah, I yeah. got to actually get the jokes the second right, time. Right. Yeah, the first time I was just delighted that a penguin was talking <laughs> to people and then the second right, time I was right. like, Oh, I Yeah. I can I can understand the right. the, the you, subtext now. Did you ever try to do comics or anything? Comic it's, strips? It's funny, I I think about this all the time about how I don't know whether it's just my personality. I just always thought of things like that as like for special people. Right. I didn't I had no idea how you would how right. do you draw right. a comic that's in the newspaper. Like of course I drew my own right, right. comics all the time. I was cartooning all the time, right. but it, I really never saw any practical application. Right. right. To, li- literally to this day, like yeah. I, I don't. It's like it seemed to me this rarefied right. thing where I just. I think it might have been that I was kind of lazy, but I could never figure out how to like draw the same character the same way over right. and over again. Right. It used to bother me deeply that Garfield changed. Remember, you know, because if you <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. If you see oh, like yeah, Garfield yeah. from nineteen eighty, and like yeah, you know, yeah. and so I just, I, I, I kind of, I, I think I always thought of that as the other thing, right. Like even as I was finishing high school and getting into the idea of going to college, the idea of being a cartoonist yeah. never how would you do that? Right, like right. it never made any sense to me. Right. Not to mention the fact that I could never really come up with like a a recurring character. Right, right. You know what I mean? It just yeah, never yeah. it just I don't know. Like right. even as I was going to school, I, I went to college a little after high school. Yeah. And I was taking you know, painting and fine art stuff because yeah. it just Cartooning seemed like you know we're all our worst critics, right, right, right. But to me, the the cartooning stuff, which I think traditionally came easier to me, yeah, seemed like the thing that was the oh, least because yeah, yeah. like, I didn't have any of that that like technique background, right, right. I would see dudes who would draw like they had this this entire right. technique and and like way of breaking down an image that yeah. I never had, right. Hmm. You know, and even so, when graffiti, when I when I started noticing graffiti at the same time as everybody else, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden in oh, 1993, yeah. Yeah, yeah. whether it was that they reissued Subway Art or whatever it was, right. I don't know what the. All of a sudden there was graffiti. Yeah. I think it was. It also had to do with uh, when they did uh, all the lettering in the in the inside sleeve of Check Your Head. Oh yeah, yeah. Was done oh, by right, yeah. that was. Hayes, I yep. believe, did yeah, all yeah. that, and all of a sudden, every kid right. had a magic marker and a yeah, tag. Yeah, yeah. Even with that, I would right. I, there was these guys who had th- had this like immediate touch for it yeah. that I never felt like I had. Right, you know, I always felt like sort of like I was an outsider, right, trying to kind of like foist my own sort of yeah, yeah, I you know idea of what graffiti right. was, yeah, but it never looked. I re- I remember right. being in like my late teens and early twenties and just realizing like okay. Your graffiti's never gonna look like FX crew. <laughs> right. But you know, like graffiti, it's always gonna have this right. suburban white boy kind of right, <laughs> kind of right, look right. to it, which yeah. is fine. Right, you know? right. And I've been able to kind of move that into a career, yeah, oddly yeah. enough. Right, but right. but at the time I, I weighed heavily on me. I was like, it yeah. never felt like a natural thing to me. Yeah. And you, you know? And you were tagged for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I it was it was a pretty localized thing yeah. I, I did a lot I luckily I grew up in a in a city that was just I was I was it's funny that this, this has always been my, my attitude where I always felt like I grew up you know people feel like they grew up out of time yeah like I should have been born in oh, the yeah, 60s yeah, yeah, yeah. I always felt like I was right there yeah, like I yeah. was like a, a skateboarding rap music kid in right. the nineties, yeah, you know, so like you, I grew up in this little industrial city that had been, had the shit kicked out of it by yeah. the industrial revolution. Right. And there was tons of buildings and abandoned, you know, uh, uh, foundations and right. many, many places that a kid who wanted to kind of apply his name to a wall right. could do it. And yeah. I, I moved throughout that city throughout oh, yeah. the nineties. Like, yeah. No problem. Right. I know. Right. I rarely, if ever, got into any trouble. Yeah. But it's funny because I never took. I was never the kid who took it up the highway to Providence. Right. Right. To me, though, those were there was the Providence real, guys, and that right. was the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like this. It. I was like like, like this king <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. in a you know a twelve mile yeah, radius yeah. in one socket, and yeah. I was kind of fine with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like. Good with that. Nice, nice. So yeah. you know, I, I got arrested a couple of times. I got arrested once for doing the dumbest piece of graffiti yeah. ever. I was at a show yeah. at the second living room, yeah. the one that was behind the 
behind the gas station. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. that, the, the, that was the second one. The yeah. first one had the big bubble window. Right, right. So I was at a show at the second living room, uh, and I saw a tag yeah. that was my tag. Yeah. That I didn't write. Right. Oh, really? And I had paint with me. And yeah. I was getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And I was giving these poor, this friend of mine and his girlfriend, the poor, they they were just getting a ride home from me. Yeah. And I decided in this very rare show of like, oh, show them, I X'd out the tag <laughs> yeah. right next to a cop. I mean, right. the cop literally looked at me and was like, dude, <laughs> really? what? Why? <laughs> right. Went to jail. Yeah. Got into some trouble. Um and that was the only time I was ever actually caught. But yeah. so I just, but that made me kind of ferret back to my, right, right. I'll be in one sock and then do like my yeah. artsy fartsy kind of yeah. bubble I, letter graffiti. Yeah, I was I was doing graffiti and I got someone uh, ratted me out. I did a piece behind a Dunkin' Donuts in Swampscott. Nice. And then maybe a month. <laughs> that might late. be the most Massachusetts thing yeah, ever. I, I did mind. a yeah. behind a Dunkin' Donuts in Swampscott. Yeah, and uh, and then maybe a month later. Or maybe it might have even been like two weeks later. And the thing is, I remember my mother, the police came to my house and were like, you know, your son. And she's like, as a matter of fact, he does have spray paint Perfect. cans. Perfect, yeah, and yeah. Like, Fucking crazy. God damn it, yeah. Mom. Yeah, and uh, so maybe two weeks later, I was at a uh, a uh, Bickford's or I, uh, it was IHOP. And uh, I went into the bushes to take a piss. We were like leaving. Yeah. And a friend of mine Decided he was just gonna. He wasn't a graffiti guy, but he had a pen for whatever reason. He drew a big dick on the <laughs> wall, and as so we left. Someone apparently wrote my, uh, license. my license plate number right. down and called my house again. And my mother, <laughs> yep, yep, he just got arrested for this in Swamp's College, you know. So they really gave you the shaft, yeah, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, listeners of this podcast don't know Michael is. Uh, <laughs> One of the punniest uh, people. Uh, it's it's I the know. way I deal with with life. I, <laughs> yeah, I <yeah>. have to. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was. Uh, I remember like yeah, I'm a graf- and then I get arrested. Right. For, my friend drew a, a dick, and it wasn't even a good dick on the. It was a lousy dick. Of, uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's funny with the, the graffiti thing for me. It was something I certainly found my my look. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 weird because when I moved into tattooing, yeah. The I was the least comfortable, yeah. Sort of foisting my own personality into right. tattooing. Yeah. That took years, but yeah. with graffiti, it was kind of immediate. It yeah. was kind of like okay, like I said, I was like you know I that I don't relate to the that sort of hard style right '90s graffiti look. That's amazing stuff, yeah. but I just couldn't. We we were lucky. We had this this dude from Providence whose tag was Wizard, okay, who was just. Absolutely a master of, yeah. of he, his characters and his stuff was magic style. I, I say right. the word magical right. a lot because it really, to yeah, me, yeah. it felt that way. It yeah, felt yeah. like he was he wasn't he was he was using aerosol spray, and this is old aerosol spray. This is right. not European controlled pressure cans. Right. This was Krylon right. and Rusto, and he was using that stuff in ways that. Again, I saw it and I was like, okay, that's not for me. Right, I'm going right. to do these very overly simplified, almost like, you know, uh, Daffy Duck style, like big thick outline okay, kind of yeah. cartoonish stuff. And yeah. I, you know, I, I, I went pretty far with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even to this day, I still draw graffiti. Right, right. And even to this day, it's still very much informed by that very less is more right, right. kind of yeah, one color fill. Like I, oh, yeah. I don't have a lot of time for this flares and bubbles right. and stuff because yeah, yeah, yeah. it just yeah. it doesn't interest me as much. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like you're, I've known you now for three, three or four years, I guess. And I remember one of the first times you tattooed me, you would say you were kind of expressing not frustration, but just saying, you know, you kind of wish you did more. Of just your stuff, like that you were coming up with. And well, and that's style that's what started happening. Yeah. Strangely enough, it took me buying a tattoo shop. Yeah. You know, I've always, the, I, I I would say the kind of a running theme in the way that I approach whatever I'm doing is that I kind of have a long, slow learning curve. Yeah. And once I got into tattooing, all that other stuff for a long time took a real back seat. Yeah. I, I was I wasn't drawing cartoons. Right. I wasn't drawing graffiti. I was really just trying to learn the nuts and bolts of tattooing. Right. 
which again, I think dovetails nicely into the idea of feeling that I've always been in my own time because right. I, I spent years just servicing the th- idea of what makes a tattoo a tattoo, the right. nuts and bolts of that. Mm-hmm. And there would be these little moments where I would have, like I remember years and years ago in the middle of the winter, crushing boredom, and I started drawing these little cartoon food items with arms and legs right. and hats yeah, just as a lark. Right. But I did one on somebody, and it there was a response to it. Yeah. And so over the course of a couple of weeks in the middle of the winter, I started doing, they, I, they were, I called them delicious town tattoos. <laughs> and people really responded yeah, to that. Yeah, but the, yeah. weird, the funny thing is, that was sort of before Instagram. Right, right. And it was just sort of this word of mouth mm-hmm. thing where everybody in the in Delicious Town had a job. Right. So the hamburger was a plumber or whatever, right, you know. Right. Yeah. But over the course of a couple of weeks, I did like fifteen or twenty oh, of nice. them. And it was this, this really nice response. But then but but I but even at that point I was like, okay, well, this is just as funny. And right. then the minute I got busy doing real tattoos, quote unquote, right. that kind of fell by the wayside. Right. And it was later on when I bought a tattoo shop. And I started getting kind of weary of, I started to think about if somebody, if somebody were to say to you, do anything that you want to do, mm-hmm. what would it be that you would actually do? Right. And because of Instagram and because the world starts getting smaller and smaller, you realize there are guys who spend every waking moment of their lives studying like Japanese Irozumi tattooing right. yeah. and are amazing at it yeah. and are working within 20 miles of you. Right, right. Or guys who work solely in the, in the, in the medium of like super traditional American style tattoos right. and who are doing – the, you know, they have this point of view and this voice. Right. So what would you do? Right. And th- and all of a sudden it became, I gave, I kind of gave myself permission. Like, yeah. okay, dude, yeah. well, you like to draw cartoons. You've right. always, you've, I, you know, once I restarted drawing graffiti, I thought of those things as like separate uh, um, ideas. Right. Like separate disciplines. Yeah. But then all of a sudden one day I was like, well, are they separate disciplines? Like, right. you know, the the nuts and bolts of a good cartoon. Right. Black outline, black shading. Right. The nuts and bolts of a good graffiti piece, clear, readable, graphic, bold stuff. Yeah. And the, the, the nuts and bolts of a good tattoo are all the same thing. Right. And I spend my entire waking life drawing. Right. All of these things. So why are they separate entities? Right, right. And so it, it's you can almost see it in my work. Just yeah. maybe three years ago, yeah, I was like, well, what, you know, because now you have this medium, right? You have Instagram where you can sort of just take a photo of your work right. and kind of just put it out there, right? And all of a sudden, people like responded to that, like, yes, we right. want weird geometric houses with yeah, drop. Yeah. Like, there's like these like graffiti. The bubbles and drop yeah, shadows yeah. started. And then the same thing with the cartooning stuff. Yeah. All of a sudden, it was like, well, this is just what I drew today. Right. In a million years, I, I wouldn't draw a skull with a dagger right. through its eye. Yeah. There are guys who are amazing at that. Right. But that's just not, like, right. what, you know, like yeah, yeah. It, it, it goes right along with the idea right. of like, well, okay. Then what do you do? Right. And it turns out what I do is that, yeah. weird <laughs> things right. driving cars in the right. shapes of hats and carrots, or yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because that, that right around that time, it almost it really was almost like I kind of reverted, where suddenly I started thinking like, wait, you know, you were you were obsessed with cartooning when you were a kid. Right. Why aren't you looking at Mad Magazine? Yeah. Or yeah. or um, you know, Bloom County. Yeah. Look at the you know the 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 line quality those guys have. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you translating that into tattooing? Yeah, and it really is. It's funny because it really is Instagram that blew that wide open right. for me. You know yeah, where yeah. where I there was this there's this there's this graffiti slash tattoo guy. He's a European dude. His name is Lugo. Okay, on Instagram he's Lugosis. Yeah, and he I saw his stuff. He was doing this incredibly beautifully thought out like kind of 70s sort of peter max oh yeah psychedelic looking right. graffiti stuff and then he started translating it into tattoos he was doing these simple black 
literally just black lines, black fill, yeah. cartoon tattoos. Mm-hmm. And he, I saw him and was like, okay. Right. You know, suddenly it all, like it really, like I can really credit him. Like right. it came into, sh- to, to focus. I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't have to like bend my style of work right. to a tattoo and give these little like like droplets of right. myself. Why not? Right, like, right, right. And the funny, the interesting thing is, people, I just like with Delicious Town, people have responded. Oh, like, I think so. In the last like year or so, it's oh, like yeah. I'm going to draw a duck sitting in a yeah. shoe, and people are like, yep, okay, yeah. I'm no, yeah, it's all right. doing great. I yeah, think. I feel, and it's 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 been interesting. I can also credit, you know, our friend Ron Wells yeah. as a guy who. You know, he has a point of view and a look to the way that he does oh, yeah. his work. That's yeah. just, it's fully realized. That yeah. dude, no, you know, like he's got, he's made an entire universe. Yeah. And when I look at his stuff, I think, you know, okay, well, there's a guy who's not half-stepping his point right. of view at all. Oh, no. He's right. doing what he does. Yeah. And it's kind of, it really did. Like, it's funny because, like I said, long learning curve, man. Like, right. All of a sudden, seventeen years into my career, I'm like, okay, well, you know the you know the workings of how to do a tattoo, right? So, yeah, why don't apply you, this to yeah, like apply this to, right. yeah. It's also funny because a couple of a couple of months ago, I had this like sort of massive tragic thing happen yeah. where I die, I like maybe twelve years of my work were lost. Oh, really? I don't know if you heard about that. No, I didn't. I did a I did a talk. I had a good friend who was teaching a class, like a design class at RISD. Yeah, and he he was he was kind of he he was looking at my process because mm-hmm. there has been a real shift in the last few years. And he was like, "Man, I want you to hang your stuff and talk to my class about just like the work. You know, right. you're doing the work. I'm drawing constantly, constantly. Yeah. You know, making like." discoveries and and you know it's like the work of this mad scientist right. so i hung it up on his wall in his classroom yeah it's no it's by no one's fault right. i hung all my work i talked to his class for a couple hours it was great but then we left we took it all down and put it in a box yeah and left the school we locked it in an office and left the school to go do a demonstration oh, shit. it was the end of the semester Right, Someone shit just, got it, and at the end of the semester at RISD, oh, if it gets left, it's gone. Like right. they they have tons of stuff that gets left behind, and it was gone. Oh, man. And I remember, I really was like, I mean, we're talking. I'm not kidding. We're talking like every graffiti drawing I had done really? since 2003. Oh man, gone, just gone. Right. Some of it I had photos of right. from what I had taken, yeah, you know, put up. But but it was it was a box of like my life. Oh man. And I remember having to be like, all right, man, well. What do you do? Right. Do you, I mean, you're not going to stop. You're right. not. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be. And and the other the other idea is I so I bought another a new black book, mm-hmm. and I started actually trying to like redraw some of that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. that felt really like unnatural to yeah. me. Like I'm oh, trying to like that, it's yeah. like being a, in a cover band of yeah, your own yeah. band. I was kind of right. so it was really was this, again it was this weirdly freeing thing where like once I got over it I yeah. actually I actually I'm not kidding I had to actually sit there and visualize lighting a match and throwing it into the box and right. letting it go because yeah, yeah. like what do you you know right. there's, there's no, no one other. you can't there's no one to blame it just right. it's gone yeah. but I bought a few new black books and even that yeah, really opened me up. Like the the even the, the most recent stuff I've done now. Yeah, it's like it's almost really was like starting again. Like okay, yeah. well, what what would you do? Right. If every drawing you did in the last fifteen years or whatever right. is was gone. Yeah. What are you not going to draw? Right. Right. You're just going to start again. Yeah. Get pissed and, and just yeah. Go. So right. it's but it's really. It's really open. It's like freed me up. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, all right. Well, so it's almost like a whole new step for you. Kind of. It's just like instead of trying to like, because it's weird because it's still me. Right. You know, I a couple of years ago I realized that there was uh, some of the drawings I was doing were even because I, I I very rarely do a finished drawing. Right. I do a finished tattoo. Right. Uh, but a lot of times that they never make it past this sort of weird sharpie. Right sketch version mm-hmm. you know and i'll just keep them and right. that to me that's like a finished idea right. and so even that i re- a couple of years ago i realized i was sort of like expounding on ideas that i had had 10 years before right. that yeah okay so it's still there it's yeah. still all right. the, the working parts are still there so right. instead of like trying to like you know like re 
recover it all. I was like, oh, it's all still in there. Yeah, I'll yeah. just, you know, right. I'll just draw another weird house with a right. rainbow door or whatever, you know, you know right, whatever right. it is. Um, you, so speaking of food tattoos, <laughs> um, you did a tattoo that went kind of viral. I did. A, a while back. I did. Um, and I have to admit this, I, when we met, I didn't realize that you were the one that had done that tattoo. Really? And I think maybe a year or so later, I realized it was you. Well, you the funny thing about that tattoo, so you're talking about Guilty of Being Delicious, yeah, the yeah. hot dog. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that so that's all Liam. Yeah. Liam, uh, Liam is a, my oldest friend, right. and he's got my first tattoo that I ever did. Yeah. Very, very kind and patient of him right. to yeah. to subject himself to that. So since then, we, he's sort of been my co-conspirator mm-hmm. conspirator in the idea that, like, you know, it's I always in my head I refer to it as what happens when there's no adult supervision. Right. Like, okay, you know, yeah. he's got tons of idiotic tattoos that I've right. done, and he came up with the idea. He wanted to get. I, I'm almost certain that he came up with every element of that tattoo. Yeah. It's the idea of the old minor threat beer bottle. Yeah. But he he knew so what we knew was that he wanted the minor threat beer bottle, but he wanted it to be a hot dog. Right. And he wanted the beer because the, the idea of the beer bottle is holding a beer bottle and so it's always <laughs> <Right>. killed right. <laughs> it's you know it's like the pig who wants you to eat the barbecue. Right. I'm like, why would you right. so he and he so the idea was that he would be holding a jar of a thing of mustard. <laughs> and then we so I started to draw it and we couldn't really settle in on a you know there's a certain era and it's kind of I'm kind of past this era but there was a time where every single tattoo that you did the next question was well what are the banners going to say right right which was you know because it was you have to understand there was this point in the 90s where like people weren't doing that right and it's actually kind of works but the reason that I also didn't use a lot of my graffiti background of my tattooing because there was a time in the 90s where what that meant was not right that meant you were a graffiti dude who was right. doing graffiti piece tattoos yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was very emblematic of a time everything right. looked like kind of a squeezy bathtub toy yeah, yeah, and yeah. i didn't necessarily identify right, right. with that either so but there was you know when, so when people started sort of using the the footprint of traditional american tattooing yeah the banner is just a non-starter there's going right. to be a banner yeah so what's the banner going to say right. and i you know there's been a little contention but I'm pretty certain that he came up with yeah. Guilty Being Delicious, which yeah. is so <laughs> stupidly perfect. That's right. so perfect. Oh, yeah. No, I, and uh, he, so we drew it up and turned It's like basically an outer half sleeve right. that I just, I was like, yes, yeah, yeah. we're doing this. But the funny thing is, is that this, so right, this, this all occurred right around the time of like social media. Yeah. And we put, we put it up. And it just turned into, it, into its own thing. Yeah. Like I had no idea how right. the idea of something going viral. Right. I don't, you know, I yeah, don't yeah. know. But to me, the funniest thing is so. Not only have I met people who know the tattoo right. before they even knew who me and Liam are, right. but then there's all these other iterations of the tattoo oh, that yeah. seem. It seems to me that the the other iterations of the tattoo are people who don't aren't getting the reference to, right. to minor threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I I know of another tattoo that's sort of like this really sort of poorly done version of it with like a cityscape in the background, but it's completely free of the initial reference because I right. I traced. I traced it right off the minor threat. Right. It is the minor threat logo with a hot dog. Right. This guy just put a hot dog in a leather jacket, <laughs> right. which is so awesome right. to me. Like the idea of like of right. like taking that arcane reference and being like, "Well, I don't have any use for that. I just want a, a hot dog with a, right. with a leather jacket." And then I think there was a burrito place that did a burrito, like that was their sign, like yeah. this kind of beautifully airbrushed, yeah, kind of like with with a burrito and a leather jacket. But that, like, that's right. another step removed. Right. So it's funny that 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 tattoo. Right. Just took it ended up on like for a few years it was on those all those like sort of ill advised like worst tattoos right, of right. the year yeah, list yeah, yeah, yeah. which was just so fantastic <laughs> to me like half the time those tattoos are like they're actually just really really it's like the person making the list right it's not it has nothing to do with the quality of the tattoo it has to do with well w- w- I wouldn't get this tattoo right. which yeah, is yeah. so fantastic yeah. it's funny because I've even had friends get all insulted about it like right. and I'm like no man it's perfect that right. that that, yeah, that yeah. ended up on that. It list of idiotic, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, definitely. Fun. Um, so, minor threat. So, we you you're a hardcore guy. You were uh, kind, kind of, of yeah. yeah. I, Not I, as much as I thought when I met you. I, I just assumed everyone. So, maybe about five years ago, I met 
a bunch of uh, these fine folks from Providence in Rhode Island area that I've remained good friends with since. And uh, but I think when you and I started talking more. I realized you weren't as much right. of like a I was, hardcore I was a hardcore a, kid in that I was in in this that scene. I was right. constantly out of hardcore shows. But when I think back about it, I really like my first interests were hip hop music. Right. I was a, I was brought up on the oldies. Yeah. And oh, and it's I really did like I I kind of always gravitated to Beatles. Yeah. Or Motown. Yeah. I really liked Motown. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's a right. if that's a connection, but I yeah, my yeah. the first record I ever bought with my own money was Bigger and Deffer by LL Cool J. Okay. And the reason I bought that record was because I had a, a older cousin and an uncle who were involved in scouting, mm-hmm. and they had like this community. Uh, it, so in Attleboro, there's a place called La Salette. Yeah. And in the summertime, they have like a big fair. Right. And there was a group of kids doing like an impromptu skate demo. Oh, yeah? And they were listening to Bigger and Deffer. Really? And I was just blown. Like, these were the cool kids. They were yeah, older yeah. than me. I stayed far in the distance and kind of watched all this unfold. Yeah. And I had the, one of my most enduring memories from when I was a kid was that the the slow jam on that album is I Need Love. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a really hard, it's like a pretty hardcore hip-hop record. Yeah, yeah. And but then, but then like that's the idea love came on and like nobody switched it. <laughs> yeah. So it was like these kids like doing like these. I, re, I have this deep, deeply ingrained memory of a kid doing a rail slide. It was the yeah. first time I ever saw someone in real life do a rail slide. Yeah. But he did it kind of like like while I need love was playing in the background. I was like, wow, this is a different thing, man. <laughs> right. So I went out. We bought the record. I always have the, the other thing I always remember is that my father was a was good enough to let me listen to it on the way home. Yeah. But. Four lines into that record, he says, motherfucker. And my dad just pulled the tape out and handed it to me. And was like, (laughs) all right, man. So so I got really into that. And then, you know, run DMC. And then, of course, the Beastie Boys happened. Which, you know, blew my fucking mind open. And then I had a friend whose name was Ricky Almeida. Shout out to Ricky Almeida. Who was the kid that had the taste in music. He was like a couple of years older than me. Right. And just had like... He was like the he he was like like the like the Gandalf to me. Right. Like every he would make me mixtapes, yeah. and it was every song was like, "What is this?" You know, it, believe it or not, he actually put Crucial Youth. Oh, really? On a, on a mixtape, which yeah. I was like at, at the time I didn't even realize right. it was a thing. Yeah. My favorite thing is that there's hardcore, there's straight edge, and then there's parody straight yeah, edge. Yeah, yeah. And I I didn't even know the difference right. between those two things. But he he introduced me to a lot of punk rock. Yeah. Uh, he made me a tape of "Give Me Convenience" or "Give Me Death" okay. from the Dead Kennedys, which was I always I always say that the Dead Kennedys were the first punk rock band that sounded to me as terrifying, yeah, as punk rock was supposed to. Yeah, be. yeah. Everything before that kind of was like, oh, it seems like a little. T- I, right. I think if you're a 15 year old kid and you hear London Calling, right, that sounds like a Bruce right. Springsteen, yeah, 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 you yeah. know. So I heard them, and that really, but but within a couple of years. I remember I, I I remember it was like yesterday I heard Do What You Like yeah. by Digital Underground yeah. and was like, oh, right. okay, this seems like this sort of like inclusive, yeah. uh, it, it's, it seemed a little bit more warm and fuzzy and inviting right. to me. And I kind of, I remember because when you're a kid, you got to make those choices. Right, right. And I remember being like, oh, I think I'm like a hip hop kid. Yeah. Um, and then I, so what I was listening to in my Walkman was always hip hop. Right. But I was going to shows because, right. of course, all my friends were, yeah. you know, as we started growing up and going to shows, I had friends in bands. Right. What year would this have been? Uh, uh, Liam and I went to our first show either very late 87 or 88. We okay. went to see Corrosion Conformity yeah. at The Rocket, which is, uh, oh, I, 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 have that, I can yeah. have that notch in my belt yeah. that I actually saw shows at The Rocket. I saw it. It was Corrosion Conformity and The Worst. Oh, yeah. And Maelstrom, oh, I believe, wow. yeah, was the yeah. was the I think was the other band. Um, and then from there, you know, of course, you know, you go to a hardcore show, right. and holy shit, you know, yeah, there's yeah. this whole. I also remember we went to see. That was a funny moment where, when you're a little kid, like you think your world is like the four square blocks that you live yeah, in. Yeah. But I remember uh, at what what is now. It was called Great Woods. Oh yeah, is, yeah. It, is it the Tweeter X, Center X, now Xfinity or Xfinity Center? Center yeah. uh, Public Image Limited. New Order Sugar and Cubes. the Sugar Cubes played. That. We we went to that and yeah. I was like, oh my god! Like there was, yeah. I didn't no idea that there yeah, were that yeah. enough 
right. of the punk rock type yeah, people yeah. to fill a place like right. that. I was like, holy shit, yeah. this is like a big deal. Yeah. So I went to a lot of shows, right. but I really focused, like for my personal records that I yeah. was like buying and listening to, it was hip hop. And hip hop shows at that point weren't that great. They were, happen that there often. were not a lot of them. I saw... Uh, Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul at the hockey arena at oh, yeah. Brown in 92, which yeah. was ridiculously I amazing. Like yeah. I saw The Roots, believe yeah. it or not. The, oh, well. like, the, I saw The Roots when Razzell was still in The oh, Roots yeah. at, at Babyhead. Really? Like small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, third Base also played Babyhead. Yeah, I got I to see third that base. show. Yeah. yeah. They but, were uh, great. Yeah, them. yeah. Holy shit. Oh, the, remember The Goats? Yeah. The yeah. Goats were a huge. Yeah, like, they were great. They were amazing. Super yeah. political. That, that's one of those weird records that that shit. Some of the political references are a little dated, right. but if you listen to the Goats, that yeah. record now, like that holds up. That Does is it, a yeah. really yeah. good record. But that was the same time that, like you know, Dig 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 with Planets was yeah. happening. It was a very groovy kind of like easy going time in hip hop. Yeah. I, I remember being. This is a funny aside, but I remember being very very taken. I wonder how this is going to come off. I remember <laughs> being very taken by Q-Tip offering you a hug <laughs> if you needed a hug and, right. and can I kick it? I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, because I, it's funny because I didn't, as, as we, when we, when we listen to stuff like NWA, I say we, but really me, I almost thought of it as almost parody music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't seem, right. well, of course now we know the realities right. of that right. stuff, but to me, like it, it, that stuff almost seemed funny to me. Yeah, definitely. But that, e, that East Coast, New York, early 90s, like, yeah, I'm really into Dela, really oh, yeah. into that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah that was kind of my my go to thing. I mean, yeah. to this day, Paul's Boutique, yeah, that's Evergreen, the that's yeah. the one that yeah. that's I, that record will never ever get old. Yeah, I listen to it once yeah, a week until I die. Yeah. It's oh, fantastic. That was Paul's Boutique was the record that I remember sitting and listening to it and thinking, at the, you know, right around I I. I don't know exactly how old I was. That was like late 88, yeah. early 89 that it right. came out. So that would put me at, what, 14? Yeah. I remember listening to it and being like, oh, okay, well, I don't know shit yeah. about what's cool. Right. I thought I knew. Yeah. I, you know, I thought I was hip right. to the Dead Kennedys and yeah, to, yeah. you know, I had seen a racer head right. by that point or whatever. Yeah. And then I listened to, to Paul's Boutique and I was like, oh, okay, well, these guys are sampling the Ramones and yeah. Johnny Cash and... And and when I'm 64 and right. like you know, it was like I I got a lot of work to do, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That was a huge one for me. That one didn't hit me too. I, you know, I loved the first record, and then I remember the second one came out, and it was like because it was different. There was oh my so god, much it was going so on. It was different. Hard to, right. It I will I can say that that you you always there's a lot of examples of times where you kind of find yourself on the wrong side of history. Like yeah. for example, for example, I didn't like Check Your Head very much. Yeah, I liked the very Beastie Boys songs on right. Check Your Head, like like live at PJs. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But like like all that stuff they were doing with like this with that that instrumental that's basically a meter song. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't hip to that until. Right. Later on, I remember kind of complaining yeah. about that record. Like, I want, right. I want the Beastie Boys to sound like the Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, Paul's Boutique, I was like, yes, in big, bright right. words. Like, yeah. this, there's so much going on in this record yeah. that it was like a lightning bolt to me. Yeah. Did you see uh, them on Check Your Head Tour? I saw them, yes. I saw them at rocky point okay they played rocky point with with l7 and luscious jackson okay and i was kind of i loved luscious jackson i didn't i didn't dig into them until later on yeah, yeah. I, I later on in the early 2000s when i you know i i listened to so much rap music that i yeah. just yeah you just get to the end right, of right. <laughs> you know it's right. like what's left and i started sort of digging into more kind of Indie rock kind yeah. of stuff, and that then I, I remember because there's a song that like Ween perform, yeah, on a let is or no, oh, that's on the co stars, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. being really in, enthralled with that, yeah. but yeah, it took way later to for me. Yeah. I appreciate I remember the, the the vibe in the crowd. This is kind of a messed up thing to say, but the vibe in the crowd during the Luscious Jackson set at the Beastie Boys show was that it was like a joke band, yeah, yeah, like, what is this, right? Right, we weren't we weren't doing we're the subtleties it. at yeah. all. At the time, but yeah, they always because I the first time I saw them was that first infamous tour with Murphy's Law and Public Enemy. That's right. Yeah, and I remember yeah. like 
Public Enemy was probably because I, I kind of got in when Run DMC started. Sure, sure. All the Def Jam stuff and LL Cool J, and but I just remember that first Public Enemy album is so just the cover of it is just very mysterious yeah, and dark. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what do these guys do? They're all standing around like a turntable, right? And, right. And, and then seeing them live with the S1Ws and uh, marching around on stage, I just remember like as a you know a sixteen year old white right. kid, I was like. And it did. It opened up my like. I didn't know who Huey P. Newton. Right, like, right. Of course, right. And it definitely like helped you just cross that barrier. Well, right, like, you was, learn a little empathy. Like, oh, this is a world that I right. don't really. Yeah. I'm not. I remember when we were when we were teenagers. Like, wearing a Public Enemy shirt was like a that was a bold yeah, move, yeah. man. Like, yeah. oh, oh, Public right. Enemy shirt. Yeah. That's just, that was yeah. a big deal. It would probably be like wearing a, a Black Lives Matter and. Shirt in this sure. neighborhood, that right, we're in right, right now. Right now, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, good. so the, and then the Beastie Boys I saw on that check your head was with Fire Hose. Oh wow! And then I saw where was that at uh, Avalon? Which cool is now House of Blues. Yeah, yeah. And then they played the uh, like the Field House at UNH with Rollins Band and the Lynch Mob. Remember the Lynch <laughs> the Mob? The Lynch Mob, yeah, Ice which Cube's was Ice Cube's. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think. Two of those guys, two or three of those guys, might not even be alive anymore. Right? Was 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 did was it Ice Cube solo or was it the Lynch Mob that played Lollapalooza two? I remember uh, Ice Cube played. It was Ice Cube. It was Ice yeah. Cube. Yeah, because yeah. I saw that. And yeah. I was like, wow. I, yeah. I, I I remember we went to Lollapalooza two and I didn't even know he was on the bill. Right. And when he came out, I was like, oh, oh, oh excellent. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is this is yeah. great. Ice T was on the first one, and then, yeah, yeah. And I saw Ice T. That's another one, like. When I listen back to Ice T, and this might not be the most popular opinion, but his stuff has not aged well at all. And I remember when he initially came out because it was all New York. Yeah, and right, right. So I remember right. like when I first heard Ice T, the Power record, I think it was. <laughs> I just remember like it just seemed real corny. It, the beats on right. it, real corny. It certainly and, is of a time. Yeah. I would say that I would say that Ice Cube kind of. I have a I have a real affection for Ice Cube, but yeah. it really is not the best stuff. Yeah. No, Ice T. I'm sorry, Ice T. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, yeah. not Ice Cube. Ice T. Yeah. Ice Cube stuff is. Oh, Ice Cube well. stuff is hard as fuck. But yeah, yeah the, I'm sorry, Ice yeah, yeah. T stuff yeah. is like you hear it and you're like, yeah. girls, damn, let's man. get butt <laughs> naked in. Yeah, yeah it's it's very. Jeez. Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> and then Ice, and the, and then the body count was just. I remember thinking like, Dude, man, this is on a major label, like the like. When my band would practice and I would get like behind the drum set, I was like a better drummer yeah. than whoever the guy was that was. Ernie C truly yeah. did take us to South Central. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I remember Body Count played at Babyhead and I didn't go. Yeah. Because I was just like, this is. I was. I had very little quarter for rap. Uh, hardcore metal crossover. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, the yeah. judgment. In fact, you know what? The first time we ever met in person, yeah. we, we touched on the, the judgment, judgment night soundtrack yeah. a little bit. Yeah, how right. it's just like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like this right. is this is sort of the the weakest tea from both the, right, <laughs> from both yeah. sides of that aisle. Yeah. So yeah, Mud Honey and Dell really is that. Uh, yeah. That's right. I remember, but of course, you know, this is so emblematic of the time because I was what the one that I would go to bat for on that record was the. De La Soul the with De La Teenage Soul. Fan Club oh, yeah. song because that was kind of yeah. that was like a good song yeah, like yeah. A, that was the closing credit song I remember yeah, like yeah. all right I, right, I right. can kind of dig this but that's also it's funny because that was right around the same time that like I realized there were two hardcores yeah yeah you know what I mean oh, yeah, like yeah. there was like because it was like guys in like track suits <laughs> right, yeah. and then like the super nardcore like and I was like oh I don't know which side right. I fall on this but I definitely did not follow the biohazard side right, of things yeah. although I did see them biohazard on the night of Hurricane Bob oh, yeah. with like 15 other dudes and yeah. they I will say this as much as I'm not a fan of biohazard they fucking Tore that place yeah. down that night. Holy that shit balls! Yeah, because yeah, it was fifteen. They nobody even thought the show was going to happen. Right. Yeah, and they showed up and did the full. It would be like if Kiss played in full makeup in front of twelve dudes. Like right, they right. they had their shtick. The guy hung from the ceiling with his right. guitar. Yeah, and at the time I was like, all right, well, okay, guys, right, you, right. you won me over with your sheer the sheer audacity of playing right, right. to like a sold out room. Right, but. There was 15 people there. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty awesome. Yeah, they kind of. I think once hardcore started going that direction, like the the tracksuit guys. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Like a few years ago, I went to a, a Adidas outlet, and I was like, maybe I'll finally buy one of these uh, um, Adidas tracksuits with the red stripes. Yeah, yeah. That, like you know, Run DMC wore and 
I think Harley Flanagan wore them. And, and I remember putting it on and going, yeah, no, this yeah, is one right, of those things right. that looks cool on those guys in 1988, but on 47-year-old me, it looks like a 47-year-old guy that's like, right. hey, I got to go get You got to know your lane, exactly. I, right. I, I remember because the, when the... When Check Your Head came out, that whole thrift store yeah. kind of, it was like, it dovetailed into rave culture with all yeah. those old school shoes and stuff. And I remember having a, a this ridiculous thrift store find of like a maroon tracksuit <laughs> with white, two white stripes and then like a screen print of like a yacht on the back. It was like right, the yeah. most Mike D thing. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. And I remember wearing it around the whole suit and just realizing there was like, no way to hide a boner or right. like you were just yeah. you were no, kind no, of yeah. expose the world yeah. and then so I did that developed into like the disco shirt and the tracksuit yeah, jacket yeah. on top oh, of yeah, it yeah. which was a very popular 90s look yeah. that I was certainly guilty of but like yeah. yeah you can't I feel like it takes a certain kind of guy to rock the top and bottom yeah, yeah. as a commitment there yeah, that yeah. I yeah. No, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, so I, I remember when they they before they reissued Puma Clydes. Yeah, I found a pair of red Puma Clydes at a shoe store in downtown Providence that were yeah. literally size twelve. Yeah. that I put a pair of socks on the front because I just had to have them, right. you know. But uh, that was not a good look. No, I, looked like, yeah. I looked like a capital letter L <laughs> walking into school. Like, whose shoes are those, man? Because they're not yours. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel like once once that happened, and then, and then I was in school and I was working at the radio station, so then I kind of started discovering pavement and some right, youth right. and that stuff. And All that stuff, it. yeah, that happened way later for me. It's, yeah. it's funny. I, you know, it's it's again. I, I don't want to say that I wasn't aware of all that stuff, right. but I certainly, you know, it, it was weird. Like I. I had this detachment because I was really, really into rap music. So yeah. when alternative rock happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't take it to heart that suddenly there were like kids from my high school at right. hardcore. I didn't, you know, like I was like, right. have, have your Nirvana, it's fine, right. you know. But later on, and like the, I, I, re- I remember, like it was yesterday. I remember "Bombs Over Baghdad" yeah. by Outkast came mm-hmm. out, yeah, which is one of the most ridiculously amazing songs yeah, slash yeah. videos, yeah. And I was kind of unmoved by it. I was like, yeah. and I had gotten to the point where I was like, all right, I, I kind of, I mean, listening to rap music. And so I did a radio show with a friend of mine who had this really encyclopedic knowledge of funk and soul music. Mm-hmm. So we would do a radio show where I would play hip hop and then he would play the song that had been sampled, which yeah. in 1997 or eight yeah. was like a pretty awesome yeah. show. We, we yeah, had yeah. a pretty good following. And so, but by the time like the early 2000s happened, I was just so. I just heard it all, you know, yeah, like yeah. when you're a kid, you, you have to do everything to the nth degree, right. you know, it's, and I, and I remember, I really remember kind of being like, well, what do I, what do I like now? And I lived with my friend Kevin, yeah. who also has, you know, stupidly amazing, varied taste in music. And I Kevin remember Kef- Kevin Cafferty, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh, who, who would, you know, he had his entire record collection in the house. Yeah. I remember being a sort of a bad record borrower. I would yeah. borrow two or three CDs at a time right. and put them in, sorry, Kevin, <laughs> I would put them in the, in the same case oh, right yeah. around. Be one of those people. And I, I, I had the, it's the, again, I have these moments of like, where I kind of was like, Sort of frozen by music. I, I, it's funny to say it, but he he had this. He had borrowed my car, and in the car he left like a burn CD of like super twee indie rock stuff, yeah. like really K, K records kind of right. stuff. But get me away from here, I'm dying. By Bell right. and Sebastian was yeah. on that, and man, I heard that song. Yeah. I remember thinking like, I guess I gotta like this now. <laughs> like holy shit, like that song is yeah yeah. It's an awesome song, right. and but at the time, Bell and Sebastian was like the the best kept secret. Those right. guys were like, yeah, yeah, the 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 you know the most precious of all. Yeah, quiet, yeah. you know, nobody right. had a right. copy yeah, of yeah. whatever Tiger Milk or well, no, that came on. That record was on. I'm gonna. I don't know what record right, that was right. on. If you're feeling sinister, I believe, but uh, yeah. I remember kind of then going into Kevin's record collection and being like, what, what is this? Like, what's more of this? Right. I also remember being really taken by Apocalypse Dudes. Oh, yeah. Turbo Negro's Apocalypse. Oh, that yeah, that yeah. record is, it was like kind of this weird, mysterious, dark yeah. record that nobody kind of, again, sort of funny. I, this may be the first time that this has ever been, yeah. but Bell and Sebastian and Turbo Negro had the, <laughs> had the, the benefit of sort of like you didn't know anything about those guys. Yeah, yeah. 
They didn't really have photos of themselves. Right. And I remember that that was sort of the beginning of me like – I went out and purposely bought the three EPs by the beta band. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I started, like, I, I, I borrowed a copy of Incidental Music by Superchunk from yeah. a kid that I was, that was working at the same tattoo shop. And uh, same thing, like, just was so enthralled by how they were kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. But great at the right. same that song ribbon. It yeah, sounds oh, like yeah, it's absolutely. actually sounds like it's it's just a triumph that they got to the end of the song, right, right. and that was kind of the beginning. There was also this band called Scared of Chaka. Do you remember oh, Scared yeah. of Chaka? Yeah, I don't think I ever heard. They of they band. opened. I, that's a funny story. I went to see Liam is inexplicably a fan of Fifteen. Who I yeah, no, yeah, not a whatever. The right. point is, is that Scared of Chaka opened up for them, and okay. I was like three piece like kind of garage punk rock band right. that were they ended up in the the some of those members ended up in the shins if I'm not oh, mistaken. I didn't know that. But they were they opened up and I was like Kevin had bought the CD so of course I borrowed the CD right. from Kevin and scratched the shit out of yeah, it. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but they they became like that kind of like that indie rock. Right. But all those like I'd certainly been aware of Dinosaur yeah, Jr. Yeah. and Pavement and Super Chunk and all those bands. Right. That was my point originally yeah, yeah, sorry. Right. But all of a sudden I was like okay yeah. I'm gonna go and buy like some Smiths records and some right. Dinosaur Jr. records and some, I I got really into the band Pavement because yeah. I had never heard a band like that. Yeah, they yeah. were like this weird kind of stoner jam band. Yeah. Half of the songs found, sounded like they had sort of just stopped writing right. it in the middle right. of the song right. yeah, and yeah. wandered away. And yeah. for me, who was like so into that locked in idea of hip hop, I liked the idea of just like, I don't know other loose. music like yeah, yeah, yeah loose like weird like okay right. I had no you know what it was I almost had no like frame of reference yeah none of my friends were actually into right. that stuff yeah yeah so I was sort of discovering it on my own that's good yeah. which was fun you know yeah. like yeah. you know and that and that's when I and then I also heard new pornographers for the first yeah. time which are their their uh, their record um, Twin Cinema yeah this almost sounds like a greatest hits album it's, yeah, yeah. fucking every, every song is yeah. a killer on that record so that was like a whole but yeah. now it's sort of re- weirdly regressed like yeah. I almost listen exclusively hip hop again yeah well cause there's good stuff yeah you know all of a sudden it's right. like happening again and yeah and we, we were talking about that before uh, we, we started recording was the people in your life that are like the old and I you know <laughs> I, I do this sometimes and I try not to I, I feel like I finally got over the hump maybe two or three years ago where I'm like, I don't care if a teenager likes this. So we were talking about people that are like, there's no good hip hop anymore. There's no. You're just not looking, man. Like, like, the thing is, you have to be empathetic to the idea. Like, nothing is ever going to move you the way that it moved you when you were 15. I I get it. Hip hop music, if you're a fan of 90s rap music, it just isn't the same thing. Right. But why should it be? Right. So. I understand the idea of not liking it, but I I don't have a lot of empathy for the idea of just blocking it and saying right. it's not there. Yeah, yeah. Because I heard Catalactica by Big Crit, and that record is fucking killer. Yeah. And that's a new record. Yeah. It's amazing. What, what else know? have you been listening to lately for uh, stuff? Newer stuff, you know, we all mourn the loss of Outkast, but yeah. Big Boy just put out a new record yeah. that's ridiculously good. Yeah. Obviously, Run the Jewels are yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, there's more. Uh, so, Clips. Do you ever listen to Clips? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Ever it since but... Clips broke up. Yeah. So, Clips had two, no, three pretty great records in the early 2000s. But ever since then, they, they split up and they're, one of the main guy, Pusha T, is yeah. putting out amazing records. Yeah. Like, the, the song Numbers on the Boards, yeah. I defy you to tell me that there's no good hip-hop, new yeah. good hip-hop, I'll if you've it. heard Numbers on the Boards. Ama- but but it moves differently. Yeah, That's yeah. the thing. I think that, you know, if, you, if you're if you used to showbiz and AG, right. which is, Goodfellas is probably one of the most iconic 90s hip-hop albums of all yeah, time. Yeah. But So if you want, if you're expecting that, right. there's not a lot for you. Right. There's a, What's that guy's name? There's a Danny Brown. Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry, not Danny Brown. Uh, Joey Badass. Joey Badass has some very '90 shapes that yeah. he's forming. Uh, Raz Kaz is yeah. putting out newer records now. Yeah. Um. So some. So some of right. it. But even like so. Even Run the Jewels. Yeah. I mean that is difficult to get your head around if yeah. you're thinking in terms of OC or right, Special right. Ed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're. It, you might have a hard time listening to that, yeah. but it's. Fucking good yeah. stuff. Joey man. Badass, I kind of wish 
because the lad, the, he put out a new record that I was I was a little let down with because that song Waves he put out. I haven't, years I haven't ago. actually heard it. Yeah. It's great. We'll, we'll I'll put it on after this. Uh, but it's, it's it's yeah. It sounds like it's from 1993, and I think he was you know 16 or 17 yeah. when he recorded it. So it's um, funny. But yeah, it's it's. It just but it bugs me now to know when like my older friends like we were talking about like you know I saw a dude with a CBGB shirt and he probably <laughs> never been there and it's like who gives a shit yeah like, like I, I don't care well, like, I, well that's what I was saying is like I guess we're all supposed to go through that point in life where we've gotten a little older yeah and we kind of don't recognize the scene around us yeah but then you've got to move to the next point of your life which is who gives a right. shit yeah. like right. are you really gonna give some kid shit because he's wearing a Misfits t-shirt right. like who. Right. Like, why do you care about right. that? You yeah. know? And I, I, you know, it's funny because at the same time, I, I know I probably have a tendency to do that a little bit myself. Right. But I, but it is, there is some, it's funny to me. I have this very distinct memory of my father pointing, you know, I was in my early 20s and my father pointed to some kid walking down the street in my hometown yeah. with his pants hanging off his ass and his hat crooked. And my father, who was a biker, yeah, like rockabilly. B, DA haircut yeah. kind of guy, and he was my father. Was like, oh, look at this kid. And I remember thinking, like, you know that 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 in through time memoriam, there's been an old guy looking at a young guy right. going, what the fuck is with you right. know, like yeah. so. What like if you know that if you're aware, so that's my problem. I'm right, aware right. of that, yeah, exactly. so I can't let myself be the right. guy. Yeah, you know, like who's gonna bemoan hipsters? Whatever, right. I just can't do it because I'm like, well everybody's just experiencing things in their own right. timeline. It's we awesome. were talking about earlier about, about hardcore generations are literally like two years deep. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can not go to a hardcore show for two years. And the next time you go to a hardcore show, to, like literally the people, the people move differently. Oh yeah. Yeah. Their clothes hang on them differently. Yeah. yeah. So you could either be the, the like curmudgeonly old guy. Right. Like bemoaning, every, or you could just be like, okay, well, right. it moved on without me, yeah, yeah. and now I just get to stand in yeah. the back and be the <laughs> be yeah. the fat guy yeah. in the in the sacks yeah. t-shirt, like right. you said, or, yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I've kind of turned into, I've morphed into uh, the guy now that, like, I was in L.A. a few years ago, and there was a two or three kids in there that were wearing hardcore stuff, and one of them had a siege patch on his jacket, and I was like. Hey, that's cool. When I saw them, and I, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm like now that old guy. It's like, oh, I saw them. <laughs> I in remember, you know, and, <laughs> whatever, old man. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And they they were actually pretty cool and talk, but like well, I that, find that, myself doing that all the that time. That means that's know. a cool kid, you know. Right, like right. It's because it's funny. We, we, I, you know, I was. If you want to watch a kid glaze over, yeah. play him what you think is supposed to be the definitive thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could, uh, we were talking about earlier, you could yeah. play a, ni- a newer hip-hop kid, an yeah. OC song, oh, yeah. and he's literally going to look at you like, this is corny, corny yeah, as shit, yeah. but it's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, I played the Beastie Boys for yeah. guys I used to work with and they were younger, and I could feel how crappy it probably sounded to <laughs> yeah, them, and I yeah. was like, this is awesome, and then I just remember thinking, this must sound like what like if us hearing like Pat Boone, right, right, right. So. I was I always think about. It's funny that I whenever I think about music being like relative to its time. Yeah. Like, can you imagine what Jerry Lee Lewis must have sounded like to a sixty-five-year-old right. guy? Right, right. That must have sounded like what Slayer. So, you right. know, like like, like, like what is happening? Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I right. I always try to imagine. I always try to imagine. Being a fourteen-year-old kid hearing Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath right. for the first time, and being yeah. like, "This is evil!" Like, right, they, like, right. I, like I didn't even know. Like, you when you when you hear that, and then you put the year to it, you think yeah. they didn't I, even. I didn't even know mu- instruments could make those sounds right, right. at that yeah. time. Yeah. So of course you're going to keep being yeah. surprised by yeah, things crazy, being more right. and more extreme. You know, the Stooges. Are you kidding yeah. me? Can you imagine what that must have like? Like TV was still in. Black and white, right? right? Yeah. Am I, you know, or right. like heroin? By I always think of heroin by, uh, by uh, uh, Velvet Underground. Yeah, like they wrote that song. Right, they didn't record it till right. later on, but they wrote they wrote heroin. Yeah. in like 1965. Yeah, That's crazy. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> a very like at the same time that they were doing like something tells <laughs> me of that they were right. writing a very frank know, right. song about 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 doing heroin. I, yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't know if that's an aside or whatever, but I always think about that, just the relative time of yeah. when something came out. It's like, Jesus, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Imagine being that far ahead of the game. I know. So maybe in 20 years, we're going to hear stuff that's just... 
Well, can you imagine? Yeah. yeah I, I well, because what we were talking about, like, like, like rap music, or, or more appropriately to say, would be like pop music. Yeah. It it all just it they're they're at a point now where their their frame of reference is something that's so far beyond a forty two year old dude's yeah. realm. Like the idea that old people use Facebook, like right. kids don't use Facebook, right, kids right. don't even use Instagram. They yeah. use Florb, right, whatever right, that right, is. Like I don't know, right. you know. So the idea of like you could be really pissed off about the fact that time moved on. Right. Or you're right. just like, all right, well, yeah, yeah. I just don't get this. Right. It's not my deal. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on that note, we're, we're just about in an hour. So all right, man. I sure awesome. told you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, definitely have to do this again. This yeah. is the actually the first one I've done here at the uh, the lake house, as we like it's to call it. It's very placid, I got to tell you. Thanks, a, man. I got a view of a of a crystalline lake right out the window here while we're talking yeah it's nice awesome. cool thanks, All right, man. thanks man yeah